Welcome to the Stephen Mansfield Podcast. Welcome to the Stephen Mansfield Podcast. Great to have you with me. Hey, before I dive into my topic for this episode, let me tell you that we are going to make a change in the pacing of our podcasts. Many of you have told me over the years that a podcast coming out every week just causes you to fall behind. And so you have to catch up on vacation or on a long drive or a long flight. And so we're going to back off from doing one one every week to doing two a month. Hopefully, this will let you absorb deeply, uh, apply uh, information, if that's the kind of information we're talking about, uh, and certainly change your thinking. Have time to ponder. Have time to meditate. So we'll do a couple of months. We'll still keep them to 10 or 15 minutes. We'll still be hard-hitting and trenchant, we trust. But just know that we're going to back off just a little bit on the pacing of our podcast. Hope that serves you well. Now, here we are at the end of August 2022 school is starting, the political primaries are happening, kickoff is about to happen, fall is upon us. And so it's a good time uh, to run some topics that I care very much about. Uh, I've got seven top topics that I want to talk about. One of them is purely a matter of sports bitterness. <laughs> so let's dive in. First of all, as we sit here at the end of August 2022, uh, the Ukrainian war has been going on for six months. And what a saga that has been. We're six months in. And believe it or not, it is at worst a stalemate. In fact, many prognosticators, many of the folks speaking about this at the Pentagon, say it's very possible that Ukraine could actually win this war. It might take another year, uh, and that would mean much devastation and death. But the fact is that though the Ukraine only spends about 10% of the Russian military budget and is only 10% of the Russian population in size, it has fought the Russian army to a stalemate. And so we are, we are looking at the possibility of a Ukrainian Victory. Now, I'm not. I'm not eager for the war to go on another year. There's been much devastation. People I love have been killed, and 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 there, it's created, as you have heard in the news, I'm sure repeatedly, the largest refugee crisis in world history. Nevertheless. The war continues. Six months in, Russia did not just roll over Ukraine. Instead, Ukrainian patriots fought the Russians to at least a standstill, if not uh, a bit of a margin of victory. And I want to say that the U.S., the Biden administration, I think has conducted itself well. I'm not a big fan of the Biden administration, as you know. But just recently, another $3 billion sent to help Ukraine fight this immoral Russian Invasion. By the way, we now know with certainty that the Russians have targeted more civilian populations and localities than they have military targets. It's immoral. My second on my list of seven top topics is uh, the, the way that the Ukraine war has helped to knock globalism in its head. 
you understand that there's a tension, there's a, there's a balance that nations try to maintain between pursuing its own national interests and generating its own national uh, you know, supplies and, and needs, and then being invested in global networks. Well, the Russian invasion of Ukraine, without question, uh, really put in danger those who trusted in globalism. Uh, for example, uh, you have one of the women I have very much admired on the international scene is Angela Merkel, uh, the leader of Germany for many years. She also was fluent in Russian. Uh, people called her the Putin whisperer. She was the one who would make sense of Russia and articulate Russia uh, to the, the, the broader European Union and even try to bring the U.S. into greater understanding and, and sympathy with Russian interests and so on. And of course, this led to globalism. Now you've got Europe relying on Russian oil and what have you. Well, the Russian war and Putin's tactics uh, have disrupted, for example, the petroleum pipeline into Europe. And now Europe is looking at a winter, a looming winter, that could be a huge crisis for them because they don't have enough fuel. Rather than generating fuel from within, rather than making sure they had within their own borders or with immediate allies uh, the production of what they needed to survive as a nation, they relied in very distant relationships. They relied on very distant contracts. They relied on countries that were bad actors in the world. And now you've got a global crisis. So part of what's going on uh, is that globalism, a trust in global trade, uh, even in bad actors, China, Russia, uh, to produce what we need, um, that that globalist vision and dream has taken a shot and people are returning to more national interests uh, production within their own borders you remember that we dealt with some of this in the United States when we found out that masks and and some of the testing kits that we needed and some of some other types of medical devices that we needed for covid came from where China <laughs> which is without question uh, a US enemy on the international scene so globalism, one of the big trends of our time, one of the big trends of this moment is that globalism has taken a hit. Number three on my list of top topics uh, is are the primaries. Although it hasn't gotten a lot of attention, this is typical. Uh, we engage in party primaries throughout the country, but Americans are busy and they're finishing up their summer vacations and they're going out to buy school supplies for the kids and they're not paying a lot of attention. But in the party primaries that have dotted this country here in the last week, a very interesting trend has emerged. And it is that people have not voted for the wingnuts. They've not either. They've not voted for either extreme progressives, extreme socialists, you might say, on the left. Nor have they voted for the hardcore right wing. They voted for establishment types. They voted for moderates in many cases. They want people who are sane and who want to govern and are not just interested in throwing rocks at each other from the wings. And that's the trend right now. 
Okay, so the primaries were very revealing, perhaps, of the mood of Americans. And I'll tell you one other thing, too. You want to watch the Florida election. A man named Charlie Crist, you may know that name, has won the Democratic nomination in Florida. He will challenge DeSantis. And DeSantis, the governor of Florida, is the only candidate who seems to be on the GOP scene who could possibly defeat Trump. He's the only one who's keeping Trump up at night in terms of his numbers and his potential to gain a GOP nomination for president of the United States. So Chris is going to go after him uh, from the Democratic Party. He's going to run against him. I don't think DeSantis is that vulnerable, but that is the election to watch. All right, I am recording this on the 24th of August, and on this day, a pretty major announcement should be made by the Biden administration. Uh, Mr. Biden hopes to announce today a uh, $10,000 uh, per student forgiveness of student debt. Cancellation is the word he will probably use for anyone who makes under $125,000. So for students who have student debt, and they make less than 125000 Biden today intends uh, to announce a $10,000 cancellation. Now, my problem with this, of course, is that most of these are private contracts. And Mr. Biden is stepping in from the government and canceling private contracts. And I don't think you'd like that if I was paying you for your car, for example, and the government stepped in and said, oh, no, we're going to cancel that debt. We're going to cancel that, that obligation. He gets the car anyway. And that's kind of what's happening here. But the bigger concern, quite frankly, uh, that, that, that private contract thing is important to those of us who, who believe in the honor of the, of the free market system. Uh, but, the, but the bigger issue is that this will dump $300 billion onto the economy, which will likely enhance inflation. Now, listen, some of you are hearing this and you're saying, hey, that's great. My kid won't have, uh, will, will be relieved of $10,000 of college debt. Um, I have people in my family who have college debt and they'll probably benefit because they probably don't make over $125,000, which is quite high, by the way, uh, for, for students just emerging from school. Uh, and so the people will, people, Americans will think as they often do about politics, hey, I'm going to benefit. This must be a good thing. Well, think about inflation and think about really long term how you feel about the government canceling private contracts. It's what the government did, federal government did during COVID. It, it, it established laws that uh, forbade people being evicted from their homes, even if they weren't paying their rent which meant, again, that private contracts were canceled by the government. Now, that is a dangerous trend. And even though I'd love to see my kids and others that are in my family and people I love, you know, without college debt, is the way to do it for the federal government to step in and cancel private contracts. Also is the way to do it to dump $300 billion on the economy when we've already got of inflationary expansion of the money supply, as I've explained in previous podcasts. By the way, keep in mind that this is a lot about politics. Mr. Biden may want to relieve students, former students of their college debt, but he's also got his eye on the election this fall. There's a very good chance he is, his administration is going to get smacked in the midterm elections. And so by forgiving college debt, he puts a big old smile on a huge number 
of young voters. Okay, uh, number five, I'm often asked, are we in a recession? And recently, there was quite a debate about this publicly, and the Biden administration rolled out all of its economists onto uh, before the cameras uh, and tried to redefine what a recession is. Traditionally, a recession occurs when you have two consecutive quarters of retraction in the economy. The, G, the, uh, the GNP, the economy contracts, it shrinks, it, it's less valuable, it's, it's shrinking. If that happens for two consecutive quarters, then you have a recession. Have we had that happen? Yes. So unless you change the definition, we are in or heading into a recession. Now, the American economy is strong and there are a lot of great features of it that will keep us from just you know going into a great depression or even a 2008 kind of depression. But yes, we are in or we are about to step into what is technically a recession, even though thankfully inflation is flattening out, gas prices are dropping government inflationary policies still are occurring like the forgiveness of college debt. And so, yes, I think we're going to continue to see this. Now, I don't believe in being bitter in life. I try to free my spirit and my heart from bitterness all that I can. But I have one issue of sports bitterness I'm going to announce right now. If you've been with me for a while, you know that I am an avid Notre Dame football fan. And for years, the coach was Brian Kelly. But last Last season, Brian Kelly got up and left Notre Dame before the season was over. Literally, an assistant coach had to coach the final games and went to LSU to take a 10-year, $95 million contract. Now, we will talk some other time about coaches and their salaries at uh, state universities and what have you. However, I'm mad at Brian Kelly. I got a hurting in my heart that I'm hoping LSU has the worst season it's ever had as a result. There you go. I said it. I love all my Louisiana friends and all my Louisiana listeners, but I got a hurting in my heart about Brian Kelly, and already he's making mistakes down there. And I don't mind that he changed schools. I mind that he did it before the season was over, thus leaving a storied program in the lurch for the last month of last year's season. Okay, I got it out. I said it. I'm sure I'll get hate mail. Finally, this, number seven. Let me ask a question I'm not going to answer in this podcast. Let me just ask a question. You ponder it, discuss it with your friends, and I'll come back here in a little bit and maybe address it a bit uh, some more, or maybe we'll just keep asking the question for a while. The question is, if there is indeed a God... Is he judging America? Is he judging America for her sins? Now, I know this is a stretch. And for some of you, I've got wonderful atheist listeners and I've got listeners of every kind of religion. Um, But let me just ask the question broadly without having to apologize for asking it. If there is indeed a God, and of course, you know that I believe there is. Is he judging America? Let me tell you why I asked this question. It's not just because people are asking it all over the country and people are asking it on international media. There is a drought going on in the West. There are floods happening in Dallas and in North Texas right now. I read my news feed and I find out about killer bees that are a serious threat in the United States. Can you believe it? 
Crime is at an all-time high. The economy is spilling out of control. The murder rate is extremely high. You know the stats. I could go on and on and on. So the question becomes, does America look like ancient Israel under the judgment of God? The land is spewing them out. Nothing's working right. They're being defeated by their enemies. There's internal discord, floods and famines and every kind of natural disaster. Is America there? Is America heading there? Is it something to seriously consider for those who believe there is a God and that nations can have a relationship with that God or that, or that somehow they have some accountability to that God? Just ponder it. I'm not going to answer it now. I may ask this question for a number of months, but it's something we ought to think about. And that's my top topics for today. Enjoy and be aware that exciting times and great days are ahead. Stephen Mansfield is a New York Times bestselling author, a popular global speaker, and senior fellow for public leadership at Palm Beach Atlantic University. His groundbreaking books on faith and society include The Faith of George W. Bush, The Search for God in Guinness, Mansfield's Book of Manly Men, and Lincoln's Battle with God. Learn more at stephenmansfield.tv.